Hey, I'm Brett Gornick. I'm Jason Lobig. Welcome to the Live Better Podcast. Best day ever. We are coaches, trainers, retreat leaders, and wellness advisors, but didn't start our careers doing this. Jason worked in public accounting, and I worked in corporate retail until starting our dream business in which we help people from all different industries pursue their best day ever every single day. The goal of this podcast is to interview both each other and other professionals making an impact on the world on how wellness is the fuel to do whatever it is in life you want to do better. This podcast is about teaching people to actively pursue their purpose and how to use self-care to do it. We're here to show you how the best day of our mindset is available to anyone at any time, no matter your circumstance. It's your choice and we're here to encourage you. You can find it anywhere you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and even YouTube. You can also listen to our podcast on www.livebetterco.org. Have the best day ever. Welcome to the Live Better Podcast. Jason and Brett here with Sarah Russo. Hey, hey. So many hats, so many aprons, and so much knowledge. <laughs> Welcome to the Live Better Podcast. How are you doing, Sarah? Thanks for having me. I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? We are doing awesome. We are just happy to be doing what we do. Yeah. I like that apron joke, by yeah. the way. <laughs> you have you're, so many you're, aprons. You're going to hear other podcasts and then be like, oh, Sarah stole my apron joke. <laughs> it's like how they introduce me from now yeah. on. Like, the woman the of many one. aprons. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> we're going to show up tomorrow. It's going to be your Instagram thing. Yeah, be. Speaking of many aprons, let's yeah. hear about what you have under your belt what are you working on what are some of the projects and then we'll sure back up from there yeah um so i'm a holistic certified chef um i've been working as a private personal chef uh for different clients for the past seven years in chicago Uh, basically what that means is i go into their homes and i cook meals according to their dietary restrictions or preferences we create meal plans that are not only to their restrictions but also any health goals that they might have Um, From there, we create the menu plan, we figure out the frequency that I come, and I bring food and I make it and leave it for them and they're stocked for the week. So, um, and that's that's a business I've been doing part-time for, I did it part-time for a couple years just to build up my client list. Um, And then three years ago, it became a full-time job. So I've been doing that full-time, full-time plus. And it's been great. It's a, it's a dream come true. It's exactly what I set out to do when I went to culinary school. I wanted to work with people, um, not at some faceless restaurant. I wanted to see the person that I fed. I want to see how my food affects them, how we can tweak things to make it even better for them, to educate them on the ingredients that I'm using. Um, it's, it's just been awesome. It's, it's a dream come true. There's no other way to say it. I mean, to have a client come and tell you, like, in tears, like, oh, my gosh, like, they, they have so many food allergies, and I, I was able to make them cinnamon rolls or pizza or a salad they really loved, or I got their kids to eat spinach. All these different little goals we don't realize, but it really affects us beyond just, like, the nutrients that provides our body, but even just, like, our emotional food intelligence. Um, it's comforting. It's comforting to people with allergies. It's comforting to people who are trying to achieve their goals and they feel like they don't have the time. And it's also giving them the permission to ask for help from a professional instead of being, instead of trying to do it all themselves. So it's amazing. I have the best job. That's the big thing that I figured out, especially with food too, is that I don't really like love cooking. I don't really love spending time doing that. I'm definitely like an eat to live person, mm-hmm. but I care about what I eat for the most part. Um, and I realized that just outsourcing that just, it opens up me to be good at what I'm good at Yes. with more energy because I'm eating better food mm-hmm. and also all of that kind of like food stress is off the, off the table. Um, when you work with somebody privately, how does like the interaction with them go at first? Like what do you guys discuss? How do you set up the menus? Is there a sure. variability between different types of clients? Cause I've almost like tried to kind of set that up with myself between like getting some food cooked in bulk, getting some food delivered pre-made, having some like go-to options out to kind of like Mm -hmm. pack that on my own. Yeah. Um, But what does that look like, like walking through a full client 
like how does that work from yeah from, like start to like okay here's your meals mm-hmm. well good for you for trying for you know like trying to like put it all together piece it together fit, you know have a little bit of this a little bit of that um and i think a lot of my clients do the same thing they'll usually reach out to me uh for a couple reasons um you know it's a time constraint so actually probably half my half my clients are really good home chefs like they make kick-ass food but they just don't have the time um and then the other half of my clients are kind of kitchen inept like they don't know what to do and then they just end up eating really like plain boring kind of bland functional food so it's like okay this is good for me but it's just becoming a live to eat thing um or they've been diagnosed with something, um, either a food allergy, sensitivity. I know food food allergies and sensitivities are different. You know, food allergies, you could have anaphylactic shock, like you could have really bad reactions, um, but food sensitivities fall more under the categories of uh, discomfort. Um, so inflammation, um, you know, uh, IBS, uh, digestive issues, even brain fog, migraines, um, bad sleep. And so people will get diagnosed with a food sensitivity and then they will come to me. And sometimes they, you know, want me to actually cook for them. Sometimes they just want my consultative work where we'll sit down and talk about, okay, what are you currently eating? Like, how can I help you put some swaps into your diet? Um, Maybe we'll come up with a two week menu plan that it's easily repeatable, but I'll add some like really good flavor components. So it doesn't feel like you're eating boring food all the time. Um, So, flavor boosters like alliums are really good for inflammation. So that's like your garlic, your onions, um, caramelizing them, releasing their waters and nutrients. Not only tastes good to us, but it's really healthy for you too. So we'll just kind of do little kitchen hacks. So that's like a, a, a level one client as far as like um, how much they work with me. And then a level two client would be like, oh, I just need a couple meals a week. Um, just to supplement what I'm already doing. I'm finding that I'm great with like a healthy smoothie um, and then I can come home and make dinner, but where I really fall short is my lunch. Um, So maybe I'll just drop off four or five lunches per week for those pain point moments where they know that they're gonna need it. Um, But I would say, you know, and then I do have clients that get every meal and every snack. Yeah, I'm trying to go <laughs> breakfast. Level three. <laughs> <laughs> Get me that. I need all the food. So, like for instance, I have a client. Uh, on Monday, we delivered to him and his wife breakfast, lunch, dinner, for three days, plus two snacks per day. So that's six. Ty- that's 18 meals and like uh, six snacks. Um, and then we also added some like uh, cold pressed juice to their order since we do that too. Um, and everything is like pre-labeled with their name on it, um, whether it's breakfast, lunch, dinner. We also, because they especially requested it, we include the macros. Although we've already pre-balanced the entire day to being like their preferred macro breakdown as well as the calorie count because they're both um, concerned with uh, weight loss. So of course, everything in there is super nutrient dense. It's free of gluten and dairy for them specifically. Um, but maybe, you know, besides the nutrient part, their health goal is weight loss. So then we also make sure that that's included. Um, we do a really good, I think, job of doing discovery calls with people. So we do a 15 minute call with them when they reach out to us first, just to see if this is a good fit. Sometimes people reach out to me and I'm like, hey, you know, you probably sh- would be better served with a meal delivery company because you need a lot more flexibility, you're not home as much, and you have a specific price point in mind. Um, and then we can redirect them so they're, you know, they can have a better fit. And then some people, if we do choose to move forward, we do an hour and a half deep dive call with me where we go through what I call their like emotional food history. So what did you grow up eating? What are your trigger foods? Um, what are the foods that you love? Like when you're stressed, like what kind of foods do you gravitate towards? When we are in emotional distress, it says a lot about our food cravings and where we are in our health. And I think that sometimes personal chefs will go right into like, what are the types of foods you want to be eating instead of where are you at now? And how are you going to make sure you're not going to fall off the wagon, quote unquote, because we are serving you in multiple ways and multiple levels, not just what you need, but like what your emotional needs are too. So, and that takes a while, like an hour and a half, but it's great. It's a great time for me to really get to know this person 
um, usually I find out, oh, you know, I actually really want, I really wanted this, but now that you're saying this, maybe I'll swap and do more soups or it, we, we discover a lot more about this person or even I'll discover this person doesn't like jelly consistency, <laughs> which is a, which is a, you know, textural stuff and flavor combinations. All these things are not stuff you can request from Life Kitchen or True Food. I mean, you basically order something and you get what you get. Um, but with me, it's like, oh, you know, I want a turkey burger. I want the bun. I don't want the lettuce, but I want it to be super low carb, but I don't want any gums or fillers. But I also, you know, don't want spicy. I don't want onions. Like, there's a lot, a lot of customization and personalization that goes just into how do we create food that this person is going to love. And we start there first. Loving the food is where we always start. Then the second part is like figuring out how do we create foods this person loves for the restrictions and also for their goals. And it's complicated, but, you know, I think if it was super simple, a lot more people would be doing it. Um, and that's why, you know, I like working with 10 clients or less at any given time. Like, that is my absolute max. Um, and, and you know what? That's fine. I mean, I know that 10 clients is what, it need, what I need to sustain my business. And I could just hire more and more chefs and do more. But I don't think that each of our clients would get the personalized attention that they need um, if we had too many clients at one given time. Yeah. So when you work with a client or give any advice, I, I really love the way you talk about just like food in general, like the standard in which you should eat. Can you just dive into what yeah. is your standard? <laughs> uh, like my baseline standard for health? Yeah, um, yeah I mean, we, I, I went to Bowman College, which is a holistic nutrition culinary program. So think Le Cordon Bleu or Culinary Institute of America, but the first three hours every day is talking about theory. So um, cooking for cancer, cooking for diabetes, cooking um, without gluten, all these very like theoretical subjects. And then the rest of the day, we're cooking and learning uh, culinary techniques, mother sauces, knife skills, roasting, braising, all of that, but with recipes that are relevant to the theory that we learned that day. So that whole day we'll be learning culinary schools while learning um, different recipes that can help someone who needs uh, chemotherapy support via their food. Um, Quick question, why did you decide to go there versus those other schools? Yeah, well, so in college I was a nanny for a family that had two kids with food allergies, and that was like, you know, 11 years ago, 12 years ago, and there were no products that were like nut-free, gluten-free, dairy-free. You just had to figure it out. And part of my job being their nanny was making these different foods. And I just, I just hated that they only had two options for lunch. And I was like, that sucks. And I had a little extra time. So I started, you know, getting books from the library and looking things up online, finding some really like <laughs> poorly written blogs <laughs> um, about people with food allergies. And I was like, oh, these people are out there. And I really fell in love with cooking when I started cooking alternatively. I didn't really get cooking before because I personally don't have allergies or sensitivities. So I just ate well, whatever, whatever was fast or at a local cafe. Um, and But these kids couldn't. So I started cooking Thai food and um, Indian food and all these different recipes that automatically were free of the ingredients that they couldn't have. And so it wasn't like I needed to make a substitution. There's just lots of recipes out there that are naturally, you know, go like more health oriented versus like standard American diet kind of foods. So honestly, feeding them was the first time I tried a lot of these foods. I grew up, you know, eating fast food, Costco food, like frozen meals, um, probably ate chicken fingers and peanut butter and jelly every day of my life in college. <laughs> just, you know, just didn't know, didn't know what was out there. I was a picky eater. And then making this food for these kids, I started to really fall in love with food and was like, holy shit, like food can taste amazing and this is free of these things that these people can have 
are there people out here who know how to do this, who can cook for these people? There's more and more kids every day that are being diagnosed with allergies or sensitivities. So I did some research because I was like, you know, at the time I was in college to be a social worker. I was getting a degree in social work, political science. That semester I decided that my focus would be on food issues in urban areas because I was really passionate about uh, food disparity. And then I was like, okay, so food is going to be my thing. I'm going to be an activist for food justice um, so that people can have, you know, better access to food. And how am I going to do this? And then I found a, uh, a speaker. Well, I found an author. His name's Bryant Terry. He's an amazing vegan chef. And he did a talk at my, at my college. And one of his titles was like chef slash food activist. And I was like, done, done. <laughs> That's exactly what I've been searching for. So I made it a point. I took him to dinner. And I was like, how did you get to be where you are? This is what I want to do. And he told me that you can go to culinary school. Long story short. Yeah, yeah, uh, you can go to culinary school to learn how to cook for people in this way without learning all of, you know, and not the bullshit, there's like a lot of really good classic French cuisine that uh, I had to learn later. Um, but you don't need to learn butchery. You don't need to go deep into pastry. They make culinary school so long, so you learn all these different skills. But he's like, you don't learn any of that. You learn the important stuff, and you learn how to cook for people. So my culinary school, and the reason I went there was because it produced it produces private chefs. So it produces chefs that will, like 98% of them go into people's homes. So you learn how to start your personal chef business, how to you know, form your LLC, how to you know, have agreements with clients. So they really go through the process of you know, how do you treat your client? How do you start that relationship? Where do you find clients, et cetera? Um, and cause yeah, cause for me, the whole goal was to get back to where I was when I was a nanny, which is, feeding people and changing their life. So. And then what's your standard of food? Brett, <laughs> Brett. <laughs> well, you did ask me why yeah, I went to I that know, school. Know, so it's, it's half your fault, there. but it's, yes. It's fault. Yeah, it so uh, so Bowman, <laughs> Bowman standard of food, which is something that I take with me, is this whole eating for health model. So the whole point is that we're looking at everything that we put into our bodies is how does this contribute to our overall health. Um, baseline you know, clean filtered water, organic produce always, um, foods that, you know, were not sprayed with pesticides or chemicals, animal protein that was sustainably raised, um, that wasn't pumped with hormones, etc. So for me, that's my minimum standard. Um, people always ask me, where do you shop for your clients? I shop at grocery stores that you know, I believe have the best products. So I shop at Whole Foods, I shop at our local farmers markets, and then I work with local farmers and purveyors if I can't get what I need from those stores. Yes, it's expensive, but we don't care because we're investing in ourselves and in our health, and that's long-term. So that's my standard, Brent. <laughs> Great, I love it. Um, when you, so walk through like, once the, once the client gets going, how do you see a normal client's evolution go from like uh, not from level one to level two since more involvement for you? How do you see the client go from okay now I'm starting to get interested in food? Like what do you see are some easy ways um, or ways that you have facilitated somebody going from like mm -hmm. okay now I'm kind of getting interested in food to really being able to handle the menu creation and starting to get more creative in the yeah. kitchen and spending time like when you've been working with somebody, like I could comment on this from the strength side of things, like once they start to get stronger, they get more interested in it. Yeah. The food, I feel like, takes a little bit longer to matriculate into like feeling good and, mm -hmm. and that tangible thing. So mm -hmm. do you see clients like journaling and doing things? Is it just like a function of how much time they're spending in the kitchen, how comfortable they feel being in the kitchen? Like where do you go with a client to help them self-educate further so that you can then maybe do the mm -hmm. next level iteration? Mm -hmm. Well, so all of our clients have like truly 24-7 access to me. So <laughs> I'll get pictures of their food or they'll ask me questions. And from the get-go of the beginning of our relationship, I let them know that that's the standard. Like that is something that they can expect from me that they don't need to be fearful about. I think sometimes we try things and then we're like, oh, we like it. But it's hard to follow up. 
Um, so I encourage them to follow up with me in person. Um, if they want to learn anything more about what I've made or how it's happened, I send them recipes if they ever want to try something. And of course, tell them not to share it. <laughs> but um, And then something that I think is pretty unique to what I do that other people do not is I'm a firm believer in being menuless. So we kind of have we kind of have recipes, but they're, they're, they're universal recipes. So I think, uh, you know, when we did the virtual retreat, I, sh I showed how to make this cashew sauce. That cashew sauce is so many things to my clients. It is, it is chocolate cashew pudding. It is hollandaise. It is um, roasted garlic, chili aioli. It's, it's a million things. And so when they ask me, hey, Sarah, how did you get this to be this texture? I'm like, hey, here's the recipe, and let me give you a little education about how I hack this recipe to be useful in so many areas. I have a um, like a keto, just meaning low carb. Keto is just you know a buzzword, but um, a low carb dinner roll that I make that is just almond flour, psyllium husk, um, apple cider vinegar, baking soda, and egg white. So super clean, no gums at all. But it it's crusty on the outside. It's nice and soft and terrible on the inside. It's a beautiful, beautiful dinner roll that happens to be low carb gluten-free and dairy-free. Um, I remake them into different shapes and then just call them different things. And then I <laughs> teach clients about how to make this and how they can make it themselves. Usually everyone falls back to the whole, like, I don't have time thing, but they, but me giving them this new thing that they've never had piques their curiosity and they love to ask questions. So I would say that's definitely a way they can, they're leveling up their education as far as food goes, by working with me. The other thing we do um, as far as being menuless, that was uh, my original point, is once we get through the first 30 days, I, you know, kind of ask clients, you know, in a roundabout way, like, hey, I've been giving you a menu the week before every single week because you're new. Most of my clients you know, after 30 days, 60 days, they no longer are like, oh, I need to approve the menu before it comes. We know this is a high touch point relationship. So at this point and at any point, if you feel like you're ready to kind of like let go of the reins of being on top of the menu every week, we will just continue to send you menus that are according to your restrictions, your plan, your guidelines, but you have no idea what's coming. And it's really fun, and it gives us the chance to be creative, to be seasonal, to not have to promise you this particular fish if that particular fish is no longer available wild caught, and then I'd have to buy a conventional, you know, things like that. That flexibility allows you to have a lot of fun with your food, and I don't know, it, it's, it's, it's very curious. And I think that that's the way people should approach food, is with curiosity, questioning where my food comes from, what these new flavors taste like, what is this new ingredient I've never had? And that's how you get really good at cooking, really good in the kitchen, and become really appreciative of the foods. Um, and literally every single client has said yes. Not one client has said no. So none of my clients, except for the new ones right now, um, are on a menu. They get new things every single week, and I think that is a huge education piece. And then they're like, Sarah, what is this squash? Or I've never had this before, what's that? So it kind of starts to create that dialogue. Um, and that's, that's the educator in me, that's the teacher in me that's like, oh, yeah, I just slid that in there. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's this, how do you like that? And this is where I got it, and this is the farm it came from. So it can really bring people in. The curiosity piece is huge. Most people, I feel like, don't, don't have zero curiosity about their food. They yeah. just don't care. It's yeah. just mindless consumption. And I feel like that's probably at least the biggest problem that I see. For sure with me, when I feel like I've slipped and I can feel like my, I don't have a lot of adverse reaction, like in terms of um, like, I don't get headaches from food, even like do suffer that's from great. headaches, but I don't get headaches from food necessarily, at least from like a link that I've created. I don't have like any digestion issues, mm -hmm. nothing like that. But I do notice that like, okay, my body comp suffers, my performance suffers, just the way that I kind of feel overall suffers mm -hmm. when I am sort of like a mindless eater, but when I really dial it in and, and can get focused on being like curious about how this affects this, and I started to notice that actually when I was running the marathon, because when you're running for two hours, you know how your food oh, affects yeah. you. Like it, <laughs> yeah. is a, it is a very, very clear, like, 
oh, I should not have eaten that because yes. now I can feel that for like <laughs> two hours or taste that for two hours. And this yes. sucks because oh it is like it gives you that kind of immediate feedback but mm -hmm. we're just eating and sitting at our desk just like mindlessly slapping on our keyboard like you don't know you don't notice that. Mm -hmm. like, these things don't add up um these things don't like give you that type of feedback mm -hmm. the curiosity piece was uh, like has been big for me every time i sort of like re-enter this like I care about what I'm eating. Yeah, yeah. And I'm glad, you know, that you can say that too. It's like, oh, I'm not always doing great, but I'm like re-entering and re-entering. And every time you re-enter and you ask questions and you get curious and you're listening to your body, um, just the better equipped you are to re-enter the next time. And I really think that food, it's, 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 it's not so much, it's not even like, I get so passionate about it, but uh, it's, it's, it's what we need to live, but food is family. Food is intimacy, food is tradition, food is how we connect with people from around the world. I mean, food is so many things. Food, um, our food systems depict who's rich, who's poor. I mean, there is so much when it comes to, the, to food and of course to our wellness, but our um, social and economical impacts of the foods that we choose. And, I think that as a company, you know, my personal chef business and then the other businesses I've started since, it all really does stem from this idea of, of staying curious, staying curious in your life, like always be questioning, never be complacent, look to things that are different from you, ask questions, um, talk to people that are different from you, and then treat your food the exact same way. Like I really feel like that's kind of the way I live my life and the way I want my team to run their life. And, and I just think food is such a big part of that. So that's a big root of, of all of my brands is like bringing that curious approach. Um, I love that you talk about running a marathon and you can really feel the foods that you ate. I just started running. I've, I've never been a runner. I have like, you know, different feet things, you know, flat feet. I don't know if you've ever trained anyone with really everyone. flat. Yeah, everyone with flat feet. I have like these crazy orthotics that I wear all the time. Um, I work this awesome chiropractor. She's like helped me in the last five years become an athlete. I like never was before. And now because of these orthotics, I can fly. But, um, <laughs> but I started, uh, you we'll know, you those, yeah. um, we, I started running recently and it's so funny how running or not running, but working out in general and the way you eat is like a very natural check and balance system. 100%. And I think that if for nothing else, if you're like, okay, forget all the goals, the weight loss, the gain, the muscle gains, all of that. If you want to work out well, eat well, and you will see a difference. If you want to see the effects of your eating well, work out so that you can confirm that that works. So if, if nothing else, yeah. it just it's it's a nice baseline. So be doing something to confirm that the food that you're eating is giving you the energy you need to live. I I have a curious question. Yes. Uh, along along that, <laughs> do you think that okay, okay so say like e even if you had uh, you know a, a bunch of different people, take the allergies off take allergies off the table. So sure. Here, here's a, we'll give you here's like your first three hours of theory. Like we'll cut it down <laughs> to like a four minute answer. Three okay. Minute answer promise and you could adjust the macros to fit size shape goal whatever it might be do you think that there's a perfect food menu like an ideal like okay you could you would eat this for breakfast you would eat this for lunch you would eat this for dinner this solves all of your macros this solves all of your micros here's what you need to get to sleep here's what you need to do this like adjust little pieces up and down for size mm -hmm. and oh, I might be a little deficient in this or a little deficient in that do you think there's a perfect day of food that you could consume like every you day of your life to anything but like for every day of your life it, it just pick one day like oh tomorrow, then yes tomorrow i want to eat a perfect menu uh if i'm understanding your question correct yes but the thing is to figure out what your perfect menu is requires a lot of testing yeah. and then by the time we get to that perfect menu your body might be needing something else so a lot of it a lot of it is, is, which is not great. I know, listeners, you're going to be so pissed. But <laughs> it's, 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 
And even like the way our body absorbs nutrients, we can't be giving it the exact same things every time because it will stop absorbing those nutrients. And so we have to be giving our bodies variety. So I would say it's less about, it's less about, um, like you could say, for instance, I want to have X amount of protein for my life today. I'm going to be doing this type of workout. This is how much sleep I'm getting. So I need these particular macronutrients. And then I also want to make sure that I'm getting like 11 different colors or 11 different fruits or vegetables in my diet. And I want to have a big emphasis on plant protein and eating a lot of plants. Um, and then have, you know, less than what is it? Four ounces of animal protein in my diet for sure. And I think if you followed that and um, you balance the macros to being in accordance with whatever energy you're ex exerting that day, then it's a perfect day. It's a perfect meal. But like having specific ingredients of like egg white omelet with this, this, like I can't guarantee that that's going to be perfect for you every day. Does that, does that answer the, the question? So that's the that's the flexibility that you give in like your cooking and clients to play with is like, okay, this is where we start to feel out. Here's how I feel mm -hmm. and then here's what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Let's match what I'm eating and making to those two things mm -hmm. in this like ever evolving process. Right, right. So yeah, so technically. Like, that, like so many people are like, well, should I have this or should I have that? Like, should I have this? And it's not always, it's not this or that. It's like check in with how you feel. What are you doing? Then mm -hmm. make an educated assumption mm -hmm. and try it and then see how it makes you feel, see how you perform, and then restart the next day. It's like that that sort of like line of thinking, I, I feel like people feel like there is a – I was kind of like baiting you into that. But like people feel like there's like a perfect menu. Right. Oh, I should be eating chicken. Well, like just chicken. Chicken doesn't actually make me particularly feel that good. Mm -hmm. Red meat makes me feel way better. I Way less of like a – kind of a response from it. I feel like it digests easier. I feel lighter. I feel stronger after I eat it, but I can't eat it like three days in a row. Mm -hmm. And that's for me. But I get those questions all the time. Right. Well, that's because it's, 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 they're posing the question like, this is easy. It's not easy. Like figuring out, um, in a very light sense how to like biohack yourself and like figure out what your body needs takes years. This is not a short journey where it's like, oh, you just hire this person and then you figure this out right away. A lot of it is testing. Yes, you can get testing done, which I highly recommend everyone do. It's a really great place to jump off of. Sometimes you even find out that healthy ingredients maybe upset you a little. Like I found out that uh, mushrooms are a big trigger food for me, like level four, like not so good. And I didn't even realize that. I had no idea, I like love mushrooms. And then I was like, oh, I always eat mushrooms with this, um, like I, ma I make this mushroom toast at home. It's like caramelized mushrooms and onions with like this like ghee spread and then I put it on the toast, it's so good. And I was like, she I don't feel. I was like, yes, it's all about how you talk yeah. about the food. Um, but for a long time, I was like, gluten, it's gluten. It's definitely the bread. Turns out it was the mushrooms. It wasn't even the bread. Yeah. And then I was like, wait, but sometimes I feel fine eating pasta. But then when I eat my mushroom and kale pizza, why do I feel so bad? It's the mushrooms. So I always encourage people that's a good place to start when you're trying to like do the this or that questioning, um, just to give yourself a baseline. And then try foods and, and, and figure it out. But having diversity asking those questions, um, food journaling, figuring out what actually is triggering you. It's, if you're truly interested in figuring out, you know, how to eat your perfect meal or your perfect week, then you have to put the work in. It's, it's, not, it's not as simple as just taking a test, but it's a great place to start. I do have clients that are food journaling because they have some ongoing issues like Sometimes when people get to the point with their digestive system with when there's so many things compromised, it's really hard to figure out what's going on. So That was my next question. Yeah. Um, so, sometimes you get a food sensitivity test and you're like, I can eat. Everything. <laughs> I can either eat everything or everything on the menu. is Everything that – one time I got a food sensitivity test, like nine different things were, were at level four. I was like, what do I even eat? Yeah. Yeah. So what do you, when you have somebody that, if you were to get tested, so like if that was the baseline start, 
And I, I think a lot of this happens is like, to your point, diversity is super important. So a lot mm-hmm. of people eat the same things. The same things so every like, day. I, I eat a full thing of almond butter every day. I do this and then eventually like, well, almonds mm-hmm. are my sensitivity. Mm-hmm. How do you work with somebody like that? Because I feel like a lot of these tests just restrict people. And then like, can you get back to eating mushrooms eventually? Um, like, how does that all yeah. work? And I think it, that's mm-hmm. such a, it's such an interesting line because it, it's sensitive. Like some people are like, mushrooms are like my mom makes a mushroom risotto I, I when i go home on thursday nights i'm eating mushroom risotto like my mom makes it like, yeah how do you work with something yeah. like that yeah okay so like we were talking about earlier like food is so emotional um like your mom's mushroom risotto i get that question all the time and it's like okay well we have to do the first part which is if you're if you're going to choose to kind of figure out this food journey you need to educate the people around you because they're going to be a lot more understanding than you think so educate your mom about the mushroom thing she might get inspired and do an asparagus risotto and get super pumped about that you don't know so do the education piece first like talk to the people in your life that are eating with you tell them how important it is to you um, at least for a certain amount of time until you feel like you have a little bit more clarity then there's also the people that have nine level four sensitivities and so what i say is over a certain period of time like cut all those things out uh for a week put it back in and we're going to figure out what your bodily reaction is to that thing so once we've removed all these things put them back in one at a time. For you, it might be like, actually it just gets slightly bloated, but I'm cool with that. And like, you know that about mushrooms now. Um, kale, you might have like a really bad migraine. I don't know. Yeah. But then you figure out like, what can I live with? What's okay? A lot of these sensitivities, they go way over time. A lot of it, some of it comes, some of it doesn't, but some of it comes from overconsumption. So if you take it out for a while, then you get retested, maybe you can bring it back in and you say, hey, I kind of overdid it on these nine things. I'm super sensitive to all of them. I'm gonna take them out for a while. And then when I bring them back, I'm gonna do a much better job of eating diversely. So it's a little bit of like, hey, it's gonna be tough for a little while, but your life isn't over. We're gonna find foods that you can still love that bring the same joy that these foods brought you. And it's not, it's not forever. And we'll bring it back eventually and, you know, and see how your body reacts. Like mushrooms for me, once, once I did that test, I realized like I do get bloated. So if someone offers me something with mushrooms, I'm like, hey, I know this isn't gonna make me feel good later, but it won't be the end of the world. It's not a huge reaction. And then I get to consciously make that choice. It's kind of like when people are lactose intolerant, but sometimes you see them eat like cheese. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, I won't feel great later, but, but that's okay. Like, it's my choice in this particular moment, depending on what you're doing in your life. Because you might, I don't know, your mom may really want you to eat the risotto. <laughs> <laughs> One spin off of that, speaking of mushrooms so much, um, obviously I'm a huge fan of uh, medicinal mushrooms like mm. lion's mane and cordyceps and shaga and all those fun things when you work with somebody that gets to the point where performance is a major factor mm-hmm. how do you start and do you start sprinkling in some of these superfoods and mm-hmm. herbs and things like that and how do you educate on somebody like well you're going to put this weird mushroom in your coffee and yeah. you're just going to be a <laughs> psycho and you're going to yes win yes win the world series win like, the world series so like how do you educate people on that? Do you educate people on that? Uh-huh. How do you work in performance eating versus weight loss or just like a standard clean diet? Sure. Um so because I work mostly on food and I would say typically it's more like entrees like lunch, dinner and then some like um different mm-hmm. snacks. Um people that are not professional professional athletes and they're hiring me, typically they already have a little routine of like the chaga latte and like just different superfoods, they look to me as a resource and I will hand them a sheet that says, oh, here's all these different superfoods and, and how it can help enhance your performance. Um, I can include these in your food, but you know, it's a little, it's, it's extra because it's really freaking expensive yeah. usually. Um, and typically they just, they love the information sheet and they start to get creative in the kitchen and do things themselves. So I would say most of the time, I don't actually even put a lot of that into the food, but I give them that information and, and they do it. Um, but all of my food is anti-inflammatory. Every, pl- every chance I get, we put um, 
you know, alliums or, or ginger or different booster foods, fresh herbs. I mean, you'd be surprised. Like I, I have this book called the encyclopedia of, of healing foods that if you're interested at all, it's, it's big, it's an encyclopedia, but you could just look up any ingredient and see the millions of, well, not millions, but the many, many things that it does for you. And then once you start educating yourself and cooking according to what these different foods do for you, you start to see this pattern of like, okay, if I just include two healthy herbs and four or five different vegetables, citrus and alliums into a meal, I pretty much have covered all of my nutrient bases. And then it's less about needing to know so much and more about enjoying the process of cooking. So then you're like, okay, I just need to include four vegetables in this dish. Okay, so, you know, we'll slice some carrots, some bell peppers, some onions, maybe some rutabaga, and we'll make a stir fry. And then I'll throw some garlic and ginger in for flavor. And then maybe I'll do um, some Thai basil. And then I have this, like, really great, like, random improv meal but it covers all of these nutrient dense pieces and then we finished off with a squeeze of lime and now we're accessing iron and all these other nutrients too from the vitamin c so i don't remember what we're talking about but performance and i actually oh, yeah. I, have a, I have a sorry keep going i have a good follow-up question to that okay um but yeah i mean that's pretty much it and then when i work with professional athletes um, a lot of them are working with dietitians or nutritionists, so they have a long list of, like, superfoods and supplements and things that they're eating. And I'm actually warned not to put any powders or extra stuff without it getting cleared yeah. because, you there's know, rules. there's rules. <laughs> yeah, and it's, and it's not worth it. So I have to, like, literally submit a specific powder. Um, but usually, I mean, the nutritionists I've worked with for, like, the NBA, NFL – um, uh, the NHL, they're pretty up on their stuff, at least in Chicago. Yeah. I, I've had a really great time working for them, and they've taught me a lot about what to put in their food. So, yeah. Along those lines, to follow up for Brett, and for that exact client, or anybody who treats themselves like a professional athlete, Brett and I both definitely do. Yeah. Um, though the performance does not translate into millions of dollars. <laughs> yet, but, yeah, 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 yeah. Brett will be dunking soon, so that might change. We'll see. Uh, how do you measure the output for somebody like that? And maybe you just don't because their budget's big enough where, like, the wiggle room for, like, oh, an extra sprinkle of goji berries, like, doesn't yeah. matter. But for those types of things, that's always the tough thing for me is, like, we went down a rabbit hole when we started our business. Like, Brett went – he's, like, super deep into all of this. Mm -hmm. But there is no – there seems to be like a basic saturation point, but because you're adding so many things, you can't isolate any of those variables. So it's almost like, okay, well, if we add a little ginger and we add a little garlic and we add a, a couple goji berries and a couple golden berries, like you solve these three nutrients, but how much is too much? And then like, when does it start to get wasteful? Or how do you start to measure some of that performance from food for these people? Or do you just do it until the cocktail is giving them like, hey, you know, I feel awesome. Just like, let's just keep doing this. Um, so it really depends on the food item you're talking about. Um, I'm going to go with like a smoothie or juice yeah. just go for. Smoothie, yeah. Okay. Anything. Like, yeah. What, like, can I add 14 different superfood powders or is, is one enough? Yeah. <laughs> and what are the I little levers? Yeah. How many yeah. goji berries can I eat in a <laughs> yes. day? Yeah. And should I drink a whole? Yeah. I want to take the whole thing of lion's mane, yeah. pour it in water, and just drink it all, and just see if I. Should die. we tell her about the live better challenge? <laughs> yeah, full challenge. Should we, should we tell you about? You should tell about the live we'll challenge. We'll do it after. Yeah. Okay. Oh my god, we can't I want to release know. that to the public yet. Yeah. Is it okay oh. to eat nine avocados in a day? <laughs> um. Well, um, we'll I feel like I'm not qualified <laughs> to answer example. that question. <laughs> I feel no, like I'm not like qualified. For the smoothie example, for example, obviously, yes. like, if you were to put there's a threshold. 2,000 grams of protein, yeah. it's, you're not going to Yeah, just, but the thing is. But obvious, though, because that's a macro. I'm talking about, like, the, the tinkering with the little stuff. How much deer antler should you put in? <laughs> so I would say I'm, I'm definitely not an expert on every single, like, superfood powder. Um, I do know that. Typically, I think you guys have Nuvitas over there. Yeah. Um, I think typically you can, like, from what I've been told, because I've asked this question to them, and they said that they felt like we could safely triple the dosage that it said on the bag. So that's what I would say. Um, but for me, it's like, 
it's all about a culinary creation and not necessarily like because sometimes more is not more at all usually it's not so I would say when it becomes like off-putting like that's probably that's probably where you should stop also why not test it we're talking about being curious so just keep adding a little bit more to your coffee each day and see if see if at some point things level off for you I feel like that's a great experiment because also all of our bodies absorbs absorb things differently so I'm just like working this out with you real time but I would say you know kind of stop it triple <laughs> um, from what I've heard professionals talk about it. Um, but otherwise I would test and then just let me know how, how it goes. But so like I have an athlete right now where I'll make him smoothies and I just make it um, proportionate to the size of the smoothie. So I'm like, okay, if, if I'm doing X amount of grams of protein, that'll kind of depict the size of the smoothie. So I'm not like packing so much into a little bit. So it's like, like I use collagen or sometimes we'll use like whey protein and it just gets really like gucky and disgusting. Um, and then from there, I just keep adding superfoods until it's like balanced. It usually ends up being about three times the amount. Um, how many calories are you eating in your smoothie per day? <laughs> You're like I'm just dumping in stuff we'll in there. It. We'll it's, just, it. it's a it's a it's not on the color palette. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's not. not. It's, off, it's off the color palette. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's just. I mean, I, I think that's where it does come down to testing, though, and just like understanding yourself and seeing where you want to go and seeing what your budget is. The more you add, the more you think you feel good. Yeah, I do. Brett's lost. He just he's just it's like, like oh, placebo. I was put it all in. I yeah. feel so good. The more I add in, I actually yeah. I want to go the other way. I want to know like. What, what, like, two drops can I put in my water so I don't have to eat for the rest of the day? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so sad. So I'm really calories, sad hearing all that. Once you figure that out, let me know. Okay, okay. It'll, it's never going to happen. Even if I, even <laughs> if I figured, culinary creative if, I, uh, if I figure that out, I'm going to put it in a chest and yeah. bury it yeah. in the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> She's like, I won't even release of what it. <laughs> It, it won't even come out. Yeah. Well, especially if you're like, okay, what is the bare minimum? So it's like, if I make this smoothie and I put this um, adaptogenic powder in it, did I even put enough? Like, I don't even know. Um, I think you got to do your research. I mean, even with like um, CBD, like I was just on this CBD panel and uh there's lots of companies that are putting out CBD products that maybe have 15 to 20 milligrams of CBD. But like, if you actually do your research, you know that to feel the effects of CBD um, for like a normal, like someone my height, my weight, um, I need to be having a dose of it at least 50 milligrams. So that would be like three, that would be like three like CBD drinks. But like who's gonna eat who's going to drink three CBD drinks? So then you find companies that give you the correct dosage for your like height and weight. But that information is out online for pretty much everything. So if you're like, okay, what is the minimum I need for me? You can find that information. And if that's part of your smoothie routine, then you just buy a scoop or a measurement tool that does that exact amount to make it easy for you. That's a kitchen hack. I have all the scoops, (laughs) all the sizes. and then just take it from there. But yeah, I mean, there's just so many powders. There's so, there's so, so many, many products. products. Yeah. There's like, and then they all like love to market them differently to you. Like there's the beauty powder. Yeah. Like what the heck is that? <laughs> yeah. Like I I know what it is. It's you know it's collagen and rosehip and and all of that that does help. But the way it's marketed oh, and then the serving size on it, I'm like, oh, actually, I should probably have three scoops of this, which makes this fifty dollar tub or like little thing. Like five servings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, how did that yeah. happen? Your water's $21. <laughs> exactly. So the thing is, I'm a big believer in the superfoods, elevating your game, pushing it, all of that. Um, if, that's, if, if that's the goal. But if you just want to like live a healthy, balanced life, you don't always need to add extra things to your routine to get more. Sometimes it's just switching up what you're already doing. Maybe it's fasting. Sometimes we just need to cleanse the system a little bit. So I'm like, more is not always better. So always like be thinking, questioning, reading, and then testing. Testing is so important. So one of the things we love to ask everybody on the show is our motto is the best day ever. Actually, before you leave, you got to make sure you sign our best day ever wall. I will. Um, And if you could wake up tomorrow and you can do anything, and we're done with COVID and all that shit, 
Uh, what does your best day ever look like? Oh, I would be in Sicily. I would be climbing Mount Etna and going up the volcano. Are you? Do you know what Mount Etna is? No. It's the only live volcano in Europe, and it's on the island of Sicily. I have. And there's this little winery up at the top, and I would sit there and be with interesting people and have conversations all day. But I love that it starts with a hike, so then it's like – like I'm getting my body moving and then I get up there and I'm Sicilian so it's like the land of my family and it's just it's just a beautiful beautiful place and I would eat all the Sicilian food um yeah that would that would literally be the best day ever for me a little bit of activity a lot of conversation a lot of really good food that does sound like the best day ever one two three um so you have a definitely a couple of things going on in Chicago we dove into like one a lot but let us know what you have and where people can find you yeah, um, really important, especially since we talked a lot about curiosity. Um, the the business that I started this past year, well, tested last year, started this May, May 2020, um, is my meal delivery company called Salad Club, and it's a salad subscription service for the curious. So we kind of migrated that, that I menuless idea over to an on-demand, or not on-demand, but a weekly subscription service that is menuless. So you sign up for a salad subscription. You choose if you want to be plant-based or have clean animal protein on your salads. You choose how many you want per week. But other than that, you leave all the decision-making to us. We decide what goes into your salad, what the menu is. It just shows up at your door, and you're like surprised and delighted by the seasonality, the creativity, um, and the deliciousness of every meal. And I really wanted to bring what I do for clients um, to the public in a much larger scale, but something that was more affordable, relatable. And being menuless not only ticks the box as far as you know getting our subscribers to be curious about their food, where their food comes from, trying new flavors, ingredients, um, but you know it also encourages them to you know take a step back and not worry so much about choice and kind of leaving that to us and 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 we love it and so far we've had so it's going to be the end of june we're only six weeks six weeks old and we have a good amount of subscribers and we're rocking and rolling and people are people are loving it they can't believe the different flavors and combinations and it's, it's cool to see that you know i took a risk and was like i don't know if people will like not knowing what's in their yeah. menu every week um but people do they're like Actually, Sarah, yeah, I want to set it and forget it and kind of trust you to deliver on your promise of bringing me really good, nutrient-dense, flavorful meals every single week. So that's what I'm doing. Salad Club. Um, saladclub.co is the uh, website. You can sign up for plans there. You can also follow us on Instagram at saladclub.co. Um, you can follow me on Instagram, which is Chef Sarah Russo. And my personal chef business is called Love Your Fat, and it's loveyourfat.com. So... Amazing. Well, do you have any final bits of advice or what's the stamp? What, what is the stamp? Um, well, I can just leave you with the, the salad club stamp, which is just curiosity tastes good. <laughs> that's our, that's, <laughs> that's our, that's our tagline. And I think I really wish that it was like our, well, it might be, we might combine all the, the businesses into one, one day and just like lead on this, this whole idea of curiosity. So Curiosity tastes good. Don't be afraid to be curious. Try new things. Um, and and less is more sometimes. Eating simply, eating deliciously, um, and you don't need to do more always to level up. And that's Amazing. it. Sarah, thank you so thank much you. for being on the show. Yeah, thank you for ever. having me. Thanks, Woo! guys. <laughs>